Anyway, good. Well, I'm glad that the sun's come out. It's cold feeding the chickens. I know, I know, right? I feel like I'm a man of the land now that I've got chickens. For those that are watching at home, if you're not from Ballarat, this is country Victoria. <laughs> Though my dad had chickens in West Footscray. Anyway, um, I want to talk about today, if I can, and I, I, I'm reasonably certain I don't, I'm not going to get through it. I've got a lot of material, but I, I want to look at the life of David and um, what made him such a wonderful king. But the premise really is what can make us an undefeated people. Um, we're in a season where life just keeps throwing lemons at us all. Yeah, there's so many things that are continually changing that put pressure on living. If it's not work, it's finance. Finance, if it's not finance, it's more finance. If it's not that, it's relationships. There's like just so much going on at the moment. And it's like the entire world is being hit with a hailstorm of issues and problems. And that's life. That's where it's at. Uh, we all seem to be facing some sort of giants, if you will, in our life. You know, some are emotional, some are physical, some are spiritual. But I, I want to I kick off by saying that though I'm going to talk about overcoming our giants, um, I, I want to add that for you and I to be undefeated, we don't have to confront every giant. We don't have to face every one. We, we don't have to do that. We don't have to deal. You and I don't have to deal with every problem. We just don't. Um, there are victories that need to be won, you know, but for you and I, we're Christians. We, we show the love of God. We don't have to answer every criticism, yeah? You know, um, we don't have to deal with every negative thought that comes from somebody else. <laughs> we don't have to fix everything. You and I, we do, though, have to resist temptation, yeah, in our lives. We've got to resist temptation. And we do need to learn how to pray or just to pray because there's power in prayer. And so if you're prayerless, you're powerless, yeah? You know, if you and I have problems in ourselves, I guess, you know, in Christianity, we would call it an issue of the flesh, you know, something that's, that's in us. It's not part of our real spirit, but it's just something that we carry. You, you, know, you know, when you overreact at something, Parents, ever overreacted at a child? You know, oh wait, this is, I reckon, I think you're all guilty. Ever overreacted when you're driving a car? Yeah, someone's cut you off. This is for those of us that like this. Ever overreacted at a drive-through because they're taking forever? On and off. So That's a yes. That's it. On and off. That's yes, you have. That's a yes. You know, there's stuff that happens in our lives. You know, sometimes we react to stuff and we withdraw. You know, we remove ourselves from a situation. Like Mel's little make-believe dog, you know, Coco, when she knows she's in trouble, when she knows she's in trouble, she drops her head, does this commando crawl, and tries to get out of the way of my body that's after her, right? And she normally heads under the table and hides under the table, right? Or, or somewhere in a corner, where's Coco gone? And when you finally see her, she's just got her head down and she's looking out to see when it's safe. You know, sometimes in life, you and I as people, we do that. We actually, we do that. Those things, we need to have victory in, 
You know, we need to overcome those things. You know, we need to have that victory of a good attitude because if things coming at us all the time, if we're in a season where we're being bombarded, where life sort of sucks at times, we're supposed to be different to everybody that's in the world. We're supposed to act different, react different, look different, speak different. We're supposed to be different. So that's where I want to go. My prayer is that this message is going to teach us something. Some of it might sound heretical in part, or what I'm about to say anyway, because I want to suggest that there's something even bigger than victory over our personal giants. We've all got personal giants. I've just mentioned a few small things. But there's something bigger than even having victory over our personal giants. And we'll get there eventually, and you'll get the point. Because I still want to encourage us to have victory over our personal giants, but there's something bigger than that. At the end of the day, whatever the battle, the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? So, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the lovely presence, God, that is always here. We thank you for the time where we exalted your name, where we sang to the resurrected King, when we were reminded that even in moments of drought, you move and you reign and you bring health and you bring life and you bring victory. So God, I just say this morning, bring health and bring life and bring victory. Lord, in any area, Lord, even as we prayed this morning, Father, we all have needs. We ask you, God, through your Holy Spirit, that you would fill the individual needs of the individual believer that's within your family. God, do what you need to do in this place. In our hearts, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. So we're going to have a look. There's something that I want us, want us all to see in this passage of Scripture. We're going to have a look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's a long passage. I'm only going to read the first 11 verses and then we'll, we'll go from there. We'll see how we end up. Amen. So now it says in verse 1, The Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socha in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Socha and Ezekiah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up the battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. And we all, most of us really should know this story. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. Its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. That's a word of defiance right there, right? Like flat out a word, a word of defiance. It goes on. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day, I mean, he had the gall to say it, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight together. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. <laughs> Mighty men, hey? Mighty men. The thing that we've got to notice here first up, and this happens in our life, 
that's happening there. Let's see what we can get out of it. Is this attack of Goliath. It's actually an evil attack. And I want us to see the very things that stopped David from getting onto the battlefield. Okay? Because no one at this point is going into battle. They're petrified. <laughs> like they're just, they're frightened. They're like cocoa right under the table. They're not coming out. And yet we need somebody to do that that will win the fight and fight the Lord's battles. Yeah, we need people who will actually do that. And just because someone hasn't done it yet, just because someone hasn't fought it out yet, doesn't mean that you and I can't. Yeah? Because here we've got a situation where there's a giant, and yet these mighty men, they're all cowering, they're all hiding. And just because they can't, we know, and we'll read the story that someone can. In our lives, sometimes there's giants, sometimes there's things, sometimes there's a call of God on our life, and it looks like it's probably never been done. No one else is racing out to do it. That doesn't mean that we can't, that you can't. Yeah, amen? But this evil attack of Goliath, it's so well known. Goliath of Gath, the undefeated Philistine, he, he actually rep represents all of that country, all of Philistia. And he challenges the God of Israel. One, how stupid can you be and still breathe? Like, don't, don't challenge the God of Israel. Just don't do it. You know, a few months ago, we looked at chapter 5 where we talked about the God of the Philistines, Dagon, and how Dagon had fallen, yeah, at the feet of the one true living God. Surely, surely Goliath will fall too, won't he? So verse 4 reads, A champion named Goliath who was from Gath came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Let me give you an idea um, of how tall he is. It works out to about nine foot six inches tall. So if you can think of a basketball ring that they play, that's ten foot. He could slam dunk with his head. That's how tall he is, right? This guy's monstrous. He's huge, you know? 126 pounds of armor. That's 56, 57 kilograms. That's what he's wearing, yeah? 15 pounds spearhead. That's seven kilos just in the spearhead alone. And you take all of that, transfer into warfare, and this man, he carries such a punch, right, that they're all hiding. They're petrified. In fact, no matter how good the Israelite army is, him alone, he's actually skipped centuries of military advancement. He's like this guy, he's the man. Yeah, he's like John Wick on steroids, for those that know John Wick, you know. Yeah, everyone, oh, okay, oh, all right, I get it. Yeah. He was a champion, and the representative of Philistine, that the whole army of Israel simply just froze on the spot. They just, they just froze. And when they saw how powerful he was, and then he comes out and he defies the armies of the Lord, flat out, and he brings a challenge. Israel, they didn't think they had a chance. They didn't think they, they could win at all. You know, he's going to smash every foolish challenge at a smithereens. Totally. He's monstrous. He's utterly overpowering. He's so huge. Like, this guy's just big. He's won every fight in his local neighborhood. He's probably been a bully his whole life, and now he just speaks out of defiance. Just defiance. And, and 
you and I, we've got to grab that word because it's a key word. And the, the Hebrew words, hara, it's, it's pronounced. You, it'd take you forever to find the spelling of it. It took me forever. But it's six times it's mentioned in this passage of Scripture alone. And in verse 23, he shouts his message out. It's like it's on repeat, like a broken record. As he was walking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and he shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Now, I want us to somehow really and truly understand the word defiance because what's the key to Goliath of Gath? He mocks the name of the Lord. He has this voice. He's like a, a Darth Vader, you know? Who will come out and fight me? You ever met someone that's really tall? Really, really tall? Often, you're not going to meet someone that's that tall that speaks like, who will fight me? Yeah, you, you won't find that. I'm telling you. I met someone recently through the church here, and I think he was 6'7". And no kidding, what a voice. He should be on radio. Hi, how are you? Yeah, just visiting. Like, it was, was brilliant. And then I'm reading this thinking, wow, if Goliath's nine foot, you know, six inches, if he's that tall, gosh... He'd be like, sounding like thunder. He must sound like that. So the problem with him, when he comes out and defies and, and, he, and he echoes around the whole valley of Elah, Elah, is that he did not know the power of the living God. He didn't know it, he didn't understand it, and he defies God. And I reckon for you and I, we probably, some of us, have people in our lives that we know that defy God that speak against God. In fact, don't we sometimes do it ourselves where we don't trust God and we have those one-on-one -on -one internal conversations with him? When you know he's asking you to do something? You know, anyone who defies the name of the Lord will get theirs eventually, you know? For you and I, we're Christians. We don't have to worry about that. But we can, sometimes we can be the same. You know, Goliath... He's actually about to speak his last words and he doesn't even know it. You know? And his last words, they're going to be a boast. And not just a boast, it's a boast and a denial of the greatness of God. You know, we need to focus on, on Goliath's attack here upon Israel and upon the name of the Lord because he seems to make the same mistake that the designers, the builders, the captain of the Titanic made. You know, they, oh no, no, this is like God couldn't even bring this. Like they defied God. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. They defied God. It's the same mistake when any man or woman rejects Jesus. They defy God. You know, and sometimes for you and I, you know, maybe even someone listening at home, sometimes we, we lose the fact that God's actually holy. Yes, He's our friend, He's our buddy. We're seated with him. He walks with us. He talks with us. He comforts us. But he's still God. He's still holy. And sometimes when we lose the vision of you know, everything about our life, everything that we do, everything, church, in any church, it's all about Jesus. It's really all about him. Sometimes when we lose sight of that, we think it's all about us. You know? And we start singing those songs. And I won't sing it, but you remember? What about me? It isn't fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry? Yeah, I'm not singing it. Thanks, him. That was, that was good, though. You know, I want to encourage us to get out of all of that bitterness, get it out of 
all of those excuses. And you and I, as believers, we need to honour the name of the Lord in our lives. I love the songs that we sang this morning. You know, particularly one, you know, we sang, we sang about how wonderful, how beautiful, how powerful is the name of Jesus. We have to honour the name of Jesus in our lives. You know, I, I, I've written here, and so I'll, I'll share it. Often, often in church... I ask us to clap. You know, I might ask to clap someone, and that's nice. We're doing it so that we can honour them for their gifts and their talents. But sometimes something, something good is said, or there's a, a lovely moment in worship, and, and I may say, or someone might say, why don't we clap to the Lord? And we get this little... Because some people are like, don't you dare tell me what to do. Better still, why do I have to clap. We're in church. Why are we doing that? We should be reverent. Hello? Reverent? The reason sometimes we ask you to clap in church and to clap to God for what he's just done is to honour him. I can't honour him. I know this is really like a smack in the face. I can't honour him. I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'll just do a little... Oh my goodness. Even little Johnny, when he takes his first step, gets more honour than, than that. Yeah? Come on, think about it for a minute. Have you ever said, oh, I don't want to clap the Lord? I can't be bothered? Oh, why don't we lift our voices and tell God how much we love them? Lift your voices, church. Tell God how, tell him something that you love about him. Oh, now we're all looking at it different because I just mentioned that it's about honouring the name of the Lord. So when someone says to you wherever, do you love Jesus? Yes! Is there anything? Oh, what do you want to say to him? I want to tell him he's wonderful. He's mind-blowing. I thank him every time he picks me up off the ground. Why don't you clap to him? Clap to him. I'll stand and clap. Thank you, Jesus! Like seriously, why don't we give the Lord a round of applause to honour his name? Bless you, God. Oh, that's how we honour the Lord. That's one of the ways that we honour the Lord, yeah? It's not to make anyone feel bad, but think about it. Why don't we want to? Why do we struggle for that little thing? But when we understand what it's for, then it's not difficult. It's not hard when we know what it's about. It's not hard. Why? Bride and groom. We welcome Mr. and Mrs. Yay! And everyone stands up and they clap. They honour them now that they're a couple. If it's God, come on. Let's be a people that recognise him and let's honour the name of Jesus. Amen? Anyway, not my message. Keep going. <laughs> so if we really want to understand the key to this message, it's not so much about winning our personal bat battles, even though we can apply this passage to it as we often have and do. But the key to unlock this passage is to understand the honour of the name of the Lord. It's to honour his name. Goliath was saying disgusting, vile things against God. And, and some of us have got friends that curse and they, they cuss and they swear. It's not the swearing that I find it's a problem because I know some of you will fall off your chair. Occasionally I swear, especially to my chickens and to my dog. 
Never to my boys. Okay, maybe. Anyway, like I know some of you are going, what? Let's pray for the pastor. Yeah, obviously you're shorter than the taller people. But the point is, it, it's, we, we, even, look, we even work with people that, that, that are like that, but it's when someone starts blaspheming and insulting the name of the Lord. We know people like that. We know friends that run down, and we've got friends that run down the church, and that's okay. We'll never win anyone if we don't know people that aren't believers, yeah, to win someone to the Lord, to bring them to get to know God. They've got to not know him. So we've all got friends that live in that space, but if they're pulling down the name of the Lord, if they're having a go at church in general at how wicked it is, if they're pulling down even this place, this church, are you going to remain silent? Just for the sake of the friendship, we're going to say, oh, hold on a minute. Come on, John. Don't be like that, man. Come on. That, I love that God. He saved me. In fact, I wouldn't be the person that I am if it wasn't for him. You wouldn't even enjoy having a coffee. In fact, you know those coffees I bought you? Over all those years, it's because God's made me generous. Because otherwise, you can suck it. You're not getting nothing. You know what I mean? Like, are we going to stand up for the name of the Lord? Are we going to tell people the way it is? I'll say it again, we can defeat our giants and we must, and I'm with you on that, but there's one thing that's bigger than beating our giants. That's to honour the name of Jesus. To honour the name of the Lord. Verse 10, Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight together. <laughs> Defies the armies of Israel. Speaks ill of the name of the Lord. So what drives David, the future writer of the Psalms? What is it that drives David? David who will sing about the glory of God. David, yeah, that what is it within him that drives him to actually go on the battlefield and, and face this almost 10-foot giant? I want to suggest the reason that David was the only one that stepped forward is because he could see the bigger picture. He actually saw that it wasn't about him and it was all about the glory of God. It was all about the honour of the name of the Lord. He knew that. That's the key to understanding the scripture. And this is why we see these two words in verse 12. Because verse 12 reads, now David. <laughs> now David. I'm telling you, they are probably two of the most important words in this passage. Now David. He's the only one stepping forward. Because all the other mighty men, trained army of, the Lord, the, of Israel, they're on their knees. Their knees are knocking together. They're hiding anywhere they can. Praise God that we see these two words now, David. Now, David was the son of an Ephratite named Jesse who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. So Jesse's three oldest sons... They've all been rejected by Samuel in another chapter, yeah? When he came looking to see who to anoint as king. They'd already been rejected. They were king wannabes, really. And, I mean, they couldn't wait to be king, but they weren't actually called to be king. None of them, though, even though they wanted to be king, none of them had the courage to fight Goliath. Even though they wanted to be king, Ilya warps up, even though they wanted to be king, none of them had the courage to fight Goliath. And when God's name was dishonoured, they stayed silent. Man, they stayed silent. 
but talks more about the heart than anything else. They stayed silent and they stayed there trembling. You know, I wonder how many times we've done that. You know, David, David here, he's actually reduced to an errand boy in the next few verses. Because as you read the next few verses, and I'll, I'll start skipping stuff because it's just a really long passage. But the next few verses shows David actually taking cheese, carrying cheese. You know, I hope there was some blue on that, but he was taking cheese to his brothers and to the commanders. David's become the errand boy. So here we've got Saul the king and the armies of Israel, and they've got the victory in their sight. They had the victor in their camp, but they made him carry the cheese. So let me share some wisdom. Sometimes you and I, we've got to carry the cheese. Yeah, sometimes we've got to carry the cheese. Because they wanted to be kings, but they weren't ready to battle. Sometimes we've got to carry the cheese. And that, that, it wasn't because David did anything wrong. He knew Samuel had anointed him to be the next king, and he still carried the cheese. That's the kind of heart that God can use. That's the kind of heart that he's looking for. Amen? Anyway, We'll keep moving. Jesse, verse 19. And Jesse's the father, and, and he's having this proud dad moment, really. You know, my boys are in Israel. They're fighting the Philistines. And it reads in verse 19, they, they are with Saul and the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. I love that. Proud parent. Ever spend time with Ross? He's a proud parent. He'll tell you what his boys are doing, what they're achieving. Not just his boys, his daughter too, what they've just done. He puts it online. Loves it, loves it. Proud dad. Mel, proud mum. They could come last. They were so good. Did you see the effort they put in? You know? I'm Italian. Are you joking? We've got to train harder. You know? <laughs> but proud parents. And this, Jess is having a proud dad moment. The truth is, they're not fighting the Philistines. They're actually, they're stuck in fear. They're hiding behind rocks and trees. And suddenly David hears Goliath's voice. And again, that key verse 23 where Goliath steps out in full defiance and yet David heard it. And yet the army in verse 24 is running back into the trenches. And verse 24 reads, Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear as they hear the defiance of the name of the Lord. Instead of causing Israel to consider what faith could look like. There's no one willing to take up the cause. No one. I can. Oh, no, I can't. Again, I wonder if we've ever said that. Oh, I'm going to do it. Oh, no, I won't. I reckon I can step out. Oh, no, I can't. I'll tell you what. What comes up next is so funny, like it's a killer. Because verse 25, it's like now they're not going out to fight, so we're going to entice them. Do you ever... Who loves the 30 days of extras at Macca's every, every November? <laughs> every November, they come out and every day there's a different deal. Buy this, get this. Get this for only this much, right? It's so good. <laughs> that, that was uncalled for. <laughs> right, but they start now enticing them to fight. Because verse 25 says, Now the Israelites have been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. 
The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and he will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Wow. Imagine being exempt from, from taxes in Australia. I'll marry her. I'll do that. Like, you know, like, but who went, oh, I don't get it. But anyway, whoever goes forward in battle is going to marry the princess. They'll become royalty. So all of a sudden they are so desperate that they try what they do in the world to offer stuff, to give it away, to trick people to go into battle. It doesn't work. No one comes forward. Maybe she wasn't pretty, I don't know. Maybe they weren't paying taxes, but they weren't going into battle against Goliath. And yet only one person seems to be offended by this. Only one person, out of all the hordes of Israel, only one person was offended about the way God's name was being used, the way it was being spoken. And so we're going to read the very first recorded words of David now. Did you know that? These are the very first words, verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace, I love it, this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, I don't know if he sounded tough when he said that. He was only young. You know, it could have been, David asked me, what will be done for the... I don't know if he sounded like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, right? But he, he certainly came out. And, but what we can see is the heart of David. These are his first words. Who's going to do something about this? Yeah. Then he, what will be done? He's actually asking a question. D.R. Davis is a commentator and he's got brilliant stuff, brilliant commentary on 1 Samuel. And he writes this. David will not be delivered because of true grit because he knows the true God. Yeah? David will not be delivered because of true grit but because he knows a true God. So the driving concern in David is the honour of God's name. And then the argument's repeated in verse 36. Verse 36 says, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. He's fighting for the name of the Lord. He's, it's not the giant before him. It's not a personal thing. It's this guy has defied the name of the Lord. He's dishonoured my God. The problem in front of David is not so much the giant. It's, it's, though that's real, I mean, he's nearly 10 foot tall, but it's the defiance. Isn't that a problem? Isn't that the, one of the problems that's facing the whole world today? that we see here in Australia today, that more and more there's defiance against the name of the Lord? Yeah, constantly, always. People pushing back on the church and what the church thinks. You guys are bigots. You guys are... No, we're not. It's what, at, we're just defending our God. We're running with that. You can't say those things about him. He's actually a loving God. He loves you all. In fact, so loving that he killed his son so that you can be with him in ever and be restored back into right relationship with him. All you have to say is yes and amen. I'd rather say no, I want to do it my way. I won't sing, I won't, I won't. You know, we think of all the things we don't like and we complain on just about everything that goes on. You know, but let me suggest that at the core, at the root of it, will we be willing to honour the name of the Lord? Will we be willing to step on the battlefield and say, hey, hey, 
There's no God like our God. In fact, Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so the story changes because David, David comes into the picture. Should put that on. Whoop. Silent. There we go. You've got to love technology, don't you? Who suffered when Optus went down the other day? Yeah? How, you learned how dependent we all were, weren't we? It was on my day off. And I was planning to, like, kids were at school, Mel's away. I'm going to get up, take it easy. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to play a little bit of Xbox. Might do some reading, cook some, I'm going to watch another movie. Who knows? But no, no, no. The enemy had another idea. And he took Optus out. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, the story changes now with David. But we've still got a little way to go. So, like I said, I don't know if I'll finish, but it's good to build this foundation for us, yeah? And there still seems to be plenty that's stopping David from getting onto the battlefield. See, he hears the defiance and the insults, and he sees the fear in his brothers and in the national army. But David looks at it all, and he seems to assess it totally differently. He assesses the situation, and he reckons, you know what? God's able. God can do this. This is... God's time. Again, how many of us need to say that occasionally? You know what? It looks like this thing's going to take me out, but I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord, and I'm going to believe that it's God's time. Yeah? Because perspective is everything. Because if you're not looking at the Lord and you're looking at the problem, before you know it, you become really negative, and all of a sudden, because I can do this, yeah? I recently had to catch up with a friend and just to share because it was a tough day, but I was focused on the tough day and I was focused on everything that had happened that day. My uncle had died, other stuff had happened and it was just, it was a big day. And some of those things are just life, but there were some problems along the way as well and I just needed to share and they were just able, some simple words, God's got it, he knows. Yeah? Oh, squirrel should be looking at God, you know? Sometimes we just got to look at God. We just have to look at God and take our eyes away from the wrong fries. This is God's time. And, you know, he can hear the giant's voice, but he's not going to back down. He's the youngest brother, and he's been given this lofty responsibility of carrying the cheese. Yeah. And yet, in all of that, by the end of the day, he's going to be the giant killer. All of Israel was intimidated by the taunts and insults of Goliath. But sometimes we are as well with the giants that are in our lives because that negative voice within us that can very naturally speak against the things of God, sometimes that's even discouraged us, if we're to be honest. Yeah? Discouraged us and made us timid about the things of God. You know, you'd think the taunts of Goliath would be enough, but there's another thing that stops David getting to the battlefield, and it gets really personal for him. Because verse 28 reads, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he just heard David speaking. He just heard him say something like, uh, what, What's going to actually be done? And, and who's going to do something about the defiance of the name of the Lord? So Eliab hears him speaking, and he's... And it says that he heard, heard him speaking with the men and he burned with anger 
at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. I know, right? But David's response, I love it, is so beautifully human. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? Like, just simple. What have I done? Can't, can't I speak? I'm, I mean, I'm your brother. I'm just asking a question. It's nothing super spiritual here, he's just, but he's just being real. So we've got this evil attack of Goliath first, but then we've got his brother that shoots out the friendly fire, so to speak. Yeah? Eliab represents an entire army that's given up, a whole army that's given up. They've lined up for battle in their battle gear with their helmets and their armour, their swords, all of that sort of stuff, their shields, but they're not battle willing. Yeah? And the, army, the army here can often represent a whole church that ends up hiding under the table like Coco, the make-believe dog, right? Afraid to step out in faith. Because as a church and as believers, we should be stepping out in faith. And then with no prayer, there's no power. And with no power, there's no faith. So no one steps forward. No one volunteers. No one goes to battle. And when someone's brave enough to actually do so, even though he's the most unlikely, he was only a kid. Yeah? I mean, this is one of the most famous stories in the culture, in our culture and in history. When someone does step forward, he gets knocked down by the big brother. Knocked down. Think about the first thing that Eliab says. Why you? You, David, with all these thousands of people around us, Lined up here, I mean, they're hiding, admittingly, right? Why you? Ever heard those words? Why you? Why do you have to do that? Why you? I think sometimes that question is a question that we get asked. You know, Iliad was actually numbered with a whole bunch of losers, really. And he's got the audacity to say, why you? Why do you think you can Happens in church life all the time. Why, why do you think you can start that movement? Why do you think you can go out and do that? Why do you think you can share your faith? Why, why do you think you can open your home? Why do you think you can pray for people in, in, in the shopping centre? Well, why are you? Why are you? Why are you? Why are you? People don't like it showing up. <laughs> then he says... Who did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Now, that's a little bit patronising, isn't it? Those few sheep. I can understand someone saying, why did you leave the few chickens? I've only got four. And this guy's a shepherd. He would have had a whole flock. Yeah. Why did you leave those few sheep? It's so demeaning. But there's also the accusation of irresponsibility. You're supposed to be doing something else. Why are you doing that? Why are, you, why are you cooking for that family that's unwell? Don't you have a husband or a wife to look after? What about your children? Why are you driving there? Why are you driving that person there? Shouldn't you be going to work? Shouldn't you be doing that? I wonder how many times that's happened to us. You can't even handle those few sheep. Really? You want to do that? Aren't your hands full with all your children? Aren't you flat out already with your job or your study? You know, you want to join the worship team? You, you, you want to serve it? You want to make coffee? Have you got time to do that? 
I don't know if you, with everything else you're doing, I don't know if you can. I mean, you should be looking after those sheep. You're conceited. I love this one. You've got a big head. You don't hear that much anymore. Growing up, we used to say it all the time. Didn't you? Oh, don't get too close to me. Your head's growing. You know, everyone, anyone used to say that. That's just my era, you know? He questions David's sincerity. And let's face it, there have been jealous people in our lives that have done that, if you're to be honest, yeah? Eliab wasn't chosen to be king. The boy in the field was chosen. And he's already been neglected once before in chapter 16, but now the same thing's happening again because his brother's saying, you know what? We don't want you. We don't want you. We don't want you. So many people struggle to discover the love of God because they've grown up in a family or with peers that have said, we don't want you. We don't want you. We don't want you. It happens all the time. You go to work, lose your job, we don't want you. We don't want you. You get dumped by a boyfriend or girlfriend. We don't want you. We don't want you. And that stuff, that, that sits really deep inside, doesn't it? Right? We don't want you. And here's Eliab. Obviously, I'm going to be king. We don't want you. And now he starts to project what's deep inside him onto David. We don't want you. You know, the accusation that Eliab comes out with, you're wicked. He judges his motives again in the worst light. I mean, I'm speaking to all of us here. Sometimes when we're jealous of someone or we're envious of someone, it leads us to be critical. And, you know, when we feel a little threatened, feel like we're going to be shown up of touch, you know? Like, seriously, I live with two boys in my house, right? So if anyone's sharing the bathroom, it's me and the boys. We've got one bathroom in my house. Now, as much as they're shy, I'm the shy one. Do you really think I want to expose all of this when they're in there? They have a six-pack without tensing. Even when I tensed as a young boy, I never saw a six-pack unless we bought one and put it in the fridge. I've never, I've never seen that. They've seen more handles than what you see on a suitcase. There are just some times in life, yeah, when we feel a little threatened, we feel a little shown up. My one recourse with them is when they're doing their little, they have tensing battles. Let's tense, see who's got the biggest, like seriously, it's unreal. It's more test. There's like testosterone flying, like fireworks, right? It's so cool. And then they jump on the floor and they do push-ups. What are you doing? Well, because then I'll be tense when I get back up. But you did more push-ups. Like, it's so cool. It really is. The only recourse I have is check out my shoulder. <laughs> my shoulder. It's the only recourse I have. I've got a bigger shoulder than you. You've got a bigger everything than me. <laughs> Anyway, sometimes we don't like being shown up. And I mean, David was showing up the whole army of the Lord. He was kind of embarrassing everybody, wasn't he? You know, it's like all these mighty men weren't willing to step forward. But that shepherd boy carrying the cheese, he was. And so, so Iliad was probably feeling humiliated. And he couldn't even see the plank in his own eye. And he looks for the speck in David's. But we know there was nothing in David's eye because his heart was clean. It was pure. You know, he accuses David of being like a, 
backseat driver or even better still, the dad that's watching your, your, your children at any sort of a sport, you feel like you're the best coach, you know exactly what they should be doing. Oh, you should have turned left. You should have done the, the forehand down the line instead of a cross court like we know, like we're better, you know. And he accuses David of being good for nothing, of just showing up to look good, of taking a selfie with the battlefield in the background so everyone can see where he is, yeah? You know, I think sometimes people store, and this is what Eliab's done, store up stuff in their hearts. So when we show up in Jesus' name and we're being obedient, the first thing we get is all that stuff and they put it onto us. Yeah? Eliab was angry at David, his little brother, and he probably thought that David would be as faithless as he would be. You know, the one mistake that you and I often make, and I've got to finish, I'm afraid, but one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to think that somebody else is going to be like us, the same complainer, the same whinger, you know, when we put who we are on somebody else. But there's something different about David. You know, Charles Spurgeon actually says about David in this passage, he says, the word battle, which David had to engage, the word battle, not the word battle, but the word battle, you know, right? The word battle. I had to read that twice too, so I figured I'd probably explain in case I'm not reading it wrong because there's no punctuation here to help bring it some, you know, emphasis. Anyway, the word battle, which David had to engage with his brothers and with King Saul, was more a trying ordeal to him than going forth in the strength of the Lord to smite the uncircumcised boaster. Yeah? So sometimes in life, the things that have been said to us far more hurtful, carry far more weight than what we ever care to give it. And it's, there's such real importance to be able to give those things to the Lord. Not just the giant that we have to face, but the stuff that's been spoken over us. Because the word battle, which David had to engage with his brothers and with the King Saul, was more trying and a more trying ordeal than him going into battle against Goliath. Now the hardest battle, well the hardest part of the battle for David is dealing with all that stuff. I mean you read the account of that battle and it's all over in the first round really. In the first two seconds he's got him, he's done it. I'll just pull out my rock, done, finished, you know. But the hardest thing he had to overcome was all of that stuff and all of that stuff stops us going forward. It stops us stepping into the faith that God has for us. I'll ask everyone to stand because of time. Oh, wow. Next week, you'll have to come back next week. Look to see how David defeated and won the battle against the honour of the name of the Lord, yeah? I'm just going to ask everyone to just bow your head for a moment. Spend some time with the Lord. Just even some of the things that I spoke about this morning, there are so many places that in, in time, in past, that we've failed in those areas. We haven't spoken up to defend the name of the Lord. We don't need to defend God. He's God. Well, we're not talking about starting a fight. We still have to honour people and respect people but we can defend the Lord and say, hey, hold on. Come on, Jack. Come on, John. Come on, Rachel. That's not right. He's my God and I love him dearly. I've given my life to him. We can do that with respect, yes? 
But sometimes we haven't done that. Sometimes we've heard the, the name of the Lord being defied and yet even within our own hearts, our own self-doubt, our own thoughts, and rather than turning to Jesus and winning the battle, we've allowed it to overcome us and we've allowed it to rob us of the things that God has called us into. Within each and every one of us, there are dreams. Within each and every one of us, there are God-given promises and purposes. But so many of us have, without even knowing, allowed the enemy to rob us of those things. We've been frightened because it's never been done before. Oh, the last time someone tried to do that, it didn't work. And so though we've heard God, we won't step out in faith and allow him to be victorious in our life. So this morning, why don't we pray for that, hey? Why don't we pray that in those areas we know that we've been defeated, in those areas that we know we've not stepped forward, in, in those areas we know where, oh, you know what, I didn't see that before. Uh, good trick, enemy, you got me there, but no longer from today. Why don't we just pray that God pours out his Holy Spirit that we would be more like David, that regardless of what faces us, what's in front of us, we will know that God can win the battle, that it's his time, that regardless the size of the giant that lays ahead of us, that's there now or is coming one day, that we can actually look to that and say, you know what, in the name of Jesus, we can bring that giant down. And particularly when we know that the name of the Lord is being dishonored, we can step up to the plate and say, hey, hey, not on my watch, not my God. Yeah, he saved me. In fact, he sent his son to die while I was still wretched and in sin. But now I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and I'm part of his family. I think that's worth praying for, don't you? So Father, now we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to bring a sense of real joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, that we would grab hold of that joy knowing that the battle is won when we lift Jesus higher in the midst of the very giants and problems that we face. God, give us the ability, the tenacity, Lord God, the, 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 the gumption to be like David and say, hold on, this isn't right. It's not right for my life. This is not what God has in store for me. No, 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 no. Jesus has actually, he was sacrificed, he died and he rose again so that I can have victory. We need that. We step into that. God, pour out your spirit to remind us of that. Lord, may this week be different. Lord, may we have opportunity to step into something new. May we have opportunity to not speak against, but to speak up for the name of the Lord. Father, may we have the opportunity to make your name great, that your name would be exalted. Father, may we step into the mission and calling that you have for each and every one of us. Lord, that be it, Lord, in this house, somewhere else, in our homes, in our businesses, may we have the courage to invite people into a Jesus space. Lord, we just want to be more like your son, Jesus. So, Father, equip us, Lord, in any way that's needed. Fill that gap. Lord, give us the right tools. Lord, fill and fulfill the needs that we have that we may sing your glory. We thank you, God, for the scriptures. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for a wonderful Sunday in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.